0: You, 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 you know the the S E A. You the the S E A. a, I be, I be a, a Hello and welcome to episode 309 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Paliachi Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton.
1: And I'm Tristan Carcino.
0: And we are coming to you from Renton, Washington, home of the Super Bowl 48 champion, Seattle Seahawks. Hello, we are back in person. It's been a minute. It's been several minutes since we've done this in person, but needed to do it in preparation for having to do a podcast in person together live on Friday.
1: I was going to say this is episode 309 for the ninth pick in the NFL draft that the Seattle Seahawks currently own. We'll see what happens by the time the draft happens and that we will be discussing this Friday at, you know it pelton cast live at good times bad bar for the first time since 2019 we are live and in person in the heart of lower queen anne and we have a special announcement about pelton cast live 2022
0: yeah another special guest we're thrilled to announce returning for the second time to pelton cast live jake one will be joining us, as he did in 2018 at Bar- Barbosa. Wow. Super producer to the stars,
1: Nipsey Hussle, J. Cole, John Cena. And he will be with us to remember some Seattle drafts that have happened, some
0: highs and lows in Seattle drafting. I told him about this, uh, <laughs> this topic idea via text when he confirmed that he was going to be able to make it. And, uh, you know, he was like, we're, we're going to have a lot to discuss, basically. Okay. Wow.
1: Okay. Uh, also at Pelton Cast Live, as always, we have the crowning of Seattle's best fried chicken with the decider this time. Not
0: not Zach Whitman. I, I, I Zach Whitman's still the decider. He's the decider. He's unable to make it to the live show unless he's changed his mind and has not let us know yet.
1: Okay, with with the decider for for this time, DJ Infrared.
0: Yes, so DJ and Fred will again be part of the, the entire show, but specifically helping us pick between. Uh, it's it's been a while since we've we've done our search for Seattle's best fried chicken back over the summer and extending into the fall. <laughs> but it's Cookies Country Chicken against Quick Pack Food Mart in the final. If you want to eat along with us and make that decision,
1: I'm just excited to eat those again this week. Same. Uh, also, uh, again, we're going to be previewing the NFL draft, having more fun with. Mike Sean Dugar from the Athletic talking Seahawks offseason. It's going to be amazing to have Mike Sean. He was the star of the virtual podcast that we hosted last year. Being able to be in person with Mike Sean is going to be incredible. And newly
0: extended, Mike Sean Dugar.
1: There we go. Uh and you know what to expect from Pelton Cast Live. If if you're new to this, come hungry. Come I'm, thirsty absolutely. for Rainier Tall Boys. Expect bingo prizes surprises uh, uh uh the famous cousin katie the famous cousin katie and so much more if you've been there before you know what to expect you know what you're getting out of pelton cast live and you would not miss it for a second time where can you get tickets for this
0: on the uh the website SonicCentral.com slash Peltoncast, we've got the uh, link in the post note or you it's been on twitter and uh we have it in link in bio on instagram uh and
1: again, 100% of gross proceeds from ticket sales will be donated to the Family First Center in Cascade, Washington, as championed by Doug Baldwin.
0: Correct. Uh, the other thing I wanted to make sure to mention, okay, two other things. So the live wow. talk and taco time we're going to have, sadly, without Randy. Uh, we're looking, if there is anyone, first off, get your tickets. We, we pour out some... Uh, uh, Beautifully tiny ice for Randy. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Uh, if you if, if you are coming and have never been to Taco Time Northwest, please let us know, either peltoncast at gmail.com or a DM to the PeltonCast Twitter, because we're looking for someone as part of that segment who has never been to Taco Time. Uh, second thing to remind everyone, uh, we're going to have the new PeltonCast hats apparently supposedly arriving tomorrow. hope so. <laughs> Uh, Green and gold Pelton gas hats plan to have those for sale. And someone, since someone asked about this, we'll we'll take Venmo, Cash App, you know, some sort of payment like that. You don't need to have cash on you for that. No, we would hope that you don't have cash on you. (laughs) I Uh, mean, do or don't. It's it's your decision. Just don't feel obliged to have cash on you for that.
1: uh, I'm so excited. For this stuff, I can't believe this is finally happening after everything. That we're finally hosting uh, another Peltoncast live. We hope that you can join us again. Uh, if you are we
0: Are we ready to commit to live streaming it?
1: Live streaming it?
0: Yeah. No. Okay. We
1: talked about I'm, that at one point, right? I'm not ready to commit to that. Okay. Uh, if you can't afford the ticket price, uh, please let us know. There will be plenty of guest list spots available. We would be happy to add you uh, if that's too much, just knowing that 100% of the proceeds go to the, to the Family First Center. Um, but please reach out if the ticket price is too much. Uh, the Pelton Cast Live is, is an inclusive event. Uh, and we'll see you on Friday. I'm kind of shocked that this is the week. It's the freaking week
0: of. It snuck up on us a little bit. So, one, one other thing I wanted to introduce this week before we get into the regular rundown. Sometimes the Pelton cast can be a little dense with inside jokes. And as much as I I know the listener, the longtime listener appreciates that, I do wonder if it can be, uh, you know, a a high bar for the new listener. I recognize this myself, you know, getting into something like Men in Blazers when we got into it after it was a well-established podcast. And what I discovered was very helpful was there was a Men in Blazers glossary that in that case I think had been compiled third person. But in this case, I have put together... A Pelton cast glossary. Wow. With the assistance of uh, uh, the man behind Fabulous Pelton quotes, as well as Ben Baldwin, both uh, chipped in to uh, help on that one. Uh, all sorts of references, inside jokes, Seattle-specific things, if you're not from Seattle. I think even the listener may may find some benefit to checking out the glossary. You so. see,
1: is this on uh, soniccentral.com backslash PultonCast? Uh,
0: it is not linked
1: yet. I have okay. to link it. When, I see that you have Seattle's it. best food on here. Did you get my Nashville's best food?
0: <laughs> no, was that your... Oh, oh yeah. That, that Reese wrote? No, I have not posted that yet. Okay, you have it though, right? I do have okay, it, Okay, yes. you
1: should post that as well. Okay. Because randomly, the fabulous Pelton cast should tell people Seattle and Nashville's best food.
0: I mean, I assume we're gonna it's gonna be a continuing series. Yeah, yeah, it's we're we're like the freaking Food
1: Network over here. Shouts to the guy who does bad. Um, <laughs> I don't think we are at all like that. Uh. Well, Friday, April twenty second. Good times, bad bar in the heart of Lower Queen Anne. We're so excited to to get together after all of these years with all of the listener. Uh, we're going to have an amazing time. We're going to have a very, very fun night. We promise you that. Every single person who I I've, talk to. I don't know if I can promise that. Fun time? Yeah. They'll be drunk enough that they'll have fun no matter what. Uh, <laughs> I promise you a fun time uh, at this event that nobody is left disappointed from a Pelton Cast Live yet, as far as I know. I mean, you haven't
0: talked to everyone. I, I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that you can get. it. You haven't it. talked to
1: everyone. This year, the other the other thing is, in the past, we've had things like hats and had no means for people to get them unless they've won bingo or something like that. And we are, again, for zero net profits, having hats available so that people can get them if they want them.
0: That will, that will be an upgrade for sure. <sighs> All, All right. right. Should we get into this week's beer? Absolutely. It's actually should. this week's beers. Oh. Because I picked up a pair of different beers, six packs, from Ecliptic Brewing in Portland, which... Has uh, a couple of locations. I think there's one of them that we've like driven past and talked about going to, but it, I, at the very least, have never been to. Yeah, I don't, don't think know. I've been to before. So, uh, first off, the Pixis... Every brewery that I've driven past, I've talked about going to. Oh, of course. Why would you drive past a brewery and not be interested in going to? I've also
1: talked about driven past breweries and talked about how I don't want to go to them.
0: Oh, okay. One in particular. Uh, First, the Pixis Pilsner, where noble hops complement this balanced Pilsner, finishing crisp and refreshing. Pixis is our spin on this classic German-style lager. So, I've had both of these already. Uh, I found that one remarkably flavorful for a Pilsner also the uh the p in the name there it's got a little little star in it very similar to the mariner's compass okay there we go uh also i am gonna so tristan's having the pilsner i'm gonna have the sunray juicy ipa which shines brightly with notes of tropical fruit and citrus thanks to generous additions of idaho seven and brew one hops so all right i we haven't even gotten to the toast yet
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of live show talk Oh, my it's God. It's the week of the live
0: show. All right. Our what toasts- about an all-toast podcast? <laughs> it's been done before. It'll be done again. By us? Didn't we do an all-toast podcast, or we just joked about doing a, an all-toast podcast? All right. Our first toast. Congrats to the Sounders. We'll talk more about this later. On advancing to the finals. Yeah, these uh, I don't know, they got shaken up in the, uh, the backpack, I guess. Advancing to the finals of the CONCACAF Champions League for the first time in franchise history, truly a s- historic moment for the Sounders, uh something that Ryan Schmetzer, who nobody knows Sounders history inside now quite like Schmetz, who's been there for so much of it as a player assistant coach, now now head coach, uh referred to it repeatedly as a, a big fucking deal in the postcam locker room.
1: Oh <laughs> wait, really? Oh yeah. Do the team. Yeah.
0: A big fucking deal. Yeah. God
1: damn, I love that. Oh, I love Schmetz. Oh.
0: So Big moment for the Sounders. That's
1: awesome. I'll, we could actually, t- wow, a real in person toast. That
0: is that is a thing we're doing. Uh, congrats also to Sanders Academy's U17 team for winning the Generation Adidas Cup for the second time. Well, not as big of a fucking deal, but still, still a positive <laughs> accomplishment for sure. All right, next up to Marshawn Lynch and Macklemore for joining the Kraken Ownership Group as Minority Partners. So uh, excited to have, you know, two Seattle fixtures as part of this group. But also the big thing is, will this lead to a new Macklemore banner?
1: To the banner coming back. I kind of, maybe if this wasn't the Kraken who did it, my, perspe- my, my uh, perspective would have been different. But it's a little bit like, can we stop with the minority ownership you know, just the like the foreshow. This is like this was for winning the Internet today. It was like, oh, the team is terrible at the hockey. Let's win the Internet with a minority ownership. And it's awesome for Marshall Lynch and also Macklemore. But like the Zamboni driving around, like, come on. That happened
0: before this. That happened before this. Yeah. He just did that on his own. I mean, I'm sure he was like it was a consideration that he was going to be part of the ownership group. Like that discussion may have started, but look, you don't have it's, Marshawn Lynch in the arena and not let him drive the Zamboni. That's what he's known for. It's a little, t- it's things. a little
1: tired. That's all I'm saying.
0: Hmm. Some said you're a little tired. You,
1: you know what? I really hated the joy of the internet today, <laughs> <laughs> and with all days, <laughs> yeah. as with all days, I hated the joy of the internet. I was going to say, why stop now? <laughs> <laughs> the drive. It was just like oh, okay. You know what? Marshawn seemed to appreciate it, and that that's all that really matters. Exactly. That's what I'm saying here. Yeah. Let's just... Whatever. Uh, but, the like, like Russell Wilson is a minority owner of the Sounders, right? Uh, I believe so. Is he still a minority owner of the Sounders now that he's the Broncos quarterback? Is Drew Locke going to be a minority owner of the Sounders?
0: No. It's just Drew like... Drew Locke is for sure not. I don't think that Russell Wilson's investment is necessarily going anywhere. Okay still part of the Sonics Arena group, too. Is he really?
1: Yeah. I've seen him at those Nuggets games.
0: Oh, look, if I were living in Denver, I'm not going to not go to Nuggets games. See all the members of the players to watch this season?
1: Having current athletes be part of a... Wow, I just fucking came up with it. Having current athletes and entertainers be part of a minority ownership group is the exact same thing as building a statue. I don't. You're anti statue. I'm anti celebrity minority ownership.
0: Okay, but it works to the benefit of real human, living
1: human beings. I'm pretty skeptical how much it's actually working. Like, what percentage do you think that McIlmoore and Marshall? It's and obviously
0: chat? a very small. That's percent. like
1: I'm the owner of Twitter because I own 1.4 shares of stock or whatever.
0: If you get to, you don't get to drive a Zamboni around Twitter. Marshawn Lynch could drive a Zamboni around on the Kraken I'm, Arena whether he owned the team or not. I agree with that part of it. Uh, they wouldn't do it if they didn't find it beneficial to them. I'm sure they're getting something
1: out of it. But, like, let's be real here. When the team's being sold or whatever, nobody's consulting them. Uh, no, not not that. I'm, this, I'm sorry, but this is a good take being anti-celebrity minority ownership. You're anti-Marshawn Lynch. No, it's not anti-Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, it's it's anti a billion dollar corporation using the goodwill of athletes for an internet post. You don't think that's what's happening here? They didn't they didn't key in. Wow, I didn't realize I I actually I woke up this morning and I saw this shit and I was like, God damn, here we go again. <laughs> I just like for some reason
0: celebrity minority ownership is really annoying to me just furious that Justin Timberlake has a share ah, of the Grizzlies.
1: Here we go again. <laughs> it's all for show. It is, it is all Life for is show. Life is all for show. I know. I talked about it. Isn't in the Pelton quotes. <laughs> <laughs> all marketing. <laughs> but that's what this is. Like, can we stop like acting like he's really like Marshall Lynch and Macklemore are really the fucking owners of the crack? And they're not, they are not. No one was acting like that. The team did it to build goodwill in the local community They paid a little bit of money to build goodwill in the local community. That seems like a
0: reasonable (laughs) trade-off. Seems like everyone wins. I guess so. Not this podcast. Uh, Congrats to uh, (laughs) Nathan Holmes, next up, (laughs) a.k.a. Renton Coastal Wizards. Hello. Is the champion of the PeltonCast Fantasy NBA League. Beat out TJ Infrared, whose team was Emmanuel Quickpack. There we go. Which is great, uh, even, even though I think he picked against Quick Pack when we did the, the quarterfinals we'll earlier. We'll see what
1: happens this weekend, Pelton Cast Live, Friday, April 22nd, but good still times, a, bad bar, come hungry.
0: a terrific pun for Emmanuel Quickly, who yes. I gave strong consideration for the six-man award to vote. Wow, they you on go. my ballot, didn't quite make it. All right, lastly... To uh, former UW center Nancy Mulkey, who signed with the Las Vegas Aces as a free agent after going undrafted in last week's WNBA draft, Mulkey joins fellow Husky Kelsey Plum in training camp under new Aces head coach Becky Hammett. Becky Hammett is the new Aces head coach? Yeah. God. You're concerned that's for show too?
1: No. She's the fucking coach.
0: She really
1: is the coach.
0: She is. I agree. Wow. I'm offended that you would say that. (laughs) The, I, I just, what you're going to say, I never know.
1: It's going to be a monster year. It is going to be a monster WNBA year. Where everybody is going to point back to the year 2022 as the year that the WNBA started happening. Okay. I Right? Like, this is, it's going to be a big year. Having Becky Hammond, who was she the coach of before? Well, she was an assistant with, under Pop. Oh, with the Spurs and then Lev. Cause, and now she's the head coach of the Aces. Correct. So didn't come up with the WNBA in coaching.
0: No, has never coached in the WNBA. This is her franchise, though, because the team moved from San Antonio to Las Vegas. And weirdly, like uh, uh, Mark Davis owns the Aces, purchased them a couple oh, of years ago. Freaking shouts to Mark Davis, big supporter. So Mark Davis, like the Raiders, have a big alumni tradition. Raiders family. It makes sense because they've been the Raiders the entire time, even though they moved to all sorts of different cities uh-huh. within the uh, the southwest region. Uh, he started like making that a big priority for the Aces, who had been in Las Vegas for two years. And it's like players from San Antonio and Utah, like two Utah? franchises ago, two locations ago. So that's kind of funny. But it- Normal- normally I'm against this
1: because obviously any time that like th- the Thunder were trying to reach out to Seattle players, it's just like such a deep fuck you. It's a right? little different. Give Kevin Durant 49% of the franchise and I will still hate you, right? Like, the there's nothing that they can do to win that back, but you have, you have to... Mark Davis didn't move the team from San Antonio, right? He did not. I think, serious respect to Mark Davis here. Mark Davis has been a real
0: supporter of women's basketball
1: the entire time.
0: Since he... I mean, I don't know about the entire time, but he has been a great steward of the Aces since he took over. Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, the Aces are my other team. I gotta go to an Aces game this summer, in Las Vegas or in Seattle. (laughs) Absolutely, I'm not going to Seattle. Who cares? Come on, I'm just trying to get to Vegas. Well, yes, we all they're going to be
0: playing in Seattle also, though this year, not in Everett. That is correct. Yes, they'll be at Climate Pledge Arena. We're gonna discuss it later in this very podcast. (laughs) (sighs) I'm I'm pretty pretty hype on this WNBA season. As am I, but uh, we'll talk more about that in the storm section. All right, let's get into our rundown. (laughs) Starting, as always, with our Top Chef update. Spoiler alerts here. Uh, Seattle's Luke Culpin finished in the middle during last week's Jurassic World-themed elimination challenge. Luke drew the Velociraptor as his inspira- inspiration, and because of the fact that its habitat was in Mongolia, he decided to uh, base his, his uh, dish off Mongolian-style beef and broccoli, uh, doing short rib and a seaweed broth. The judges said it worked, but lacked bold flavor, and the short rib wasn't tender enough. So again, middle of the pack for Luke, which... <laughs> <better> not <than laughs> much worse than that.
1: Okay. I mean, he's I, into the I just had to crunch up. some numbers about who, okay, so Jurassic World Dominion, st- distributed by Universal Pictures. What network is Top Chef on? A
0: Universal. I don't know if they, it's on, it's on, uh, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on what it's on. Uh, you know, it's- Bravo? U- yes. Okay. Oh, it's owned by the same parent company, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> no, it was all.
1: Scheinhardt Universal Wig Company. <laughs> 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 That's really what this reeks of. It was all Top a Chef. They're, they're, look, how can we shove Jurassic World Dominion into Top Chef?
0: You know, it's interesting. Chris Pratt appeared in a video. Uh, Chris Pratt was actually in Top Chef Seattle this season. <clears throat> Surprised he's not a cone or the Kraken. They <laughs> give it time. Uh, they catered a party for uh, uh, him and uh, his, his former wife at the Jolie uh, Gardens. The On Top a Paris. Chef. Yeah, the okay. top chef, Chef testants. So uh, he was not at the, they had a different actor from Jurassic World. Jurassic World was actually at the dinner. This time. But Chris Pratt was in the video announcing the challenge. <laughs> so <laughs> There you go.
1: Oh, God.
0: Well, I love the corporate synergy more, more than anything.
1: I love the corporate synergy and the, oh, me, and the mediocrity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who was in the video? Was it Bryce Dallas Howard? Yes. Okay, there we go. Yes to quick NBA Seattle update. We talked last week about the Blazers. It was a big week for them with the New Orleans Pelicans in the play-in. And it ended poorly. You knew that the Blazers were in trouble uh, needing the Clippers to beat the Pelicans on Friday when Paul George entered health and safety protocols on Friday morning after testing positive for COVID. Was unable to play in that game. The Clippers still went to their small lineup and led by double digits in the second half before running out of steam. Big comeback for the Pelicans in the fourth quarter to advance as the number eight seed, which means their first-round pick goes to Charlotte this year. The Blazers do not get it, and instead will get a first-round pick, top four protected from Milwaukee in 2025.
1: I like that they were just like, they weren't going to have their first-round pick no matter what.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, uh, only if it had landed in the top four were the Pelicans going to keep it. When you don't have
1: an NBA team, your rooting interests get very complicated. I,
0: a lot of people's rooting interests got very complicated with the play-in. Uh, Indiana also had a draft pick from the Karis Levert trade, depending on whether Cleveland won its game earlier that night, which they did not, so the Pacers don't get that first-round pick. So that's a that's a that's one new thing with the play-in tournament.
1: Is that those draft picks, the fringe draft picks, I mean, they might not necessarily mean that much, but I'm saying like, Semi-cheer for New Orleans because of CJ being there. But also CJ being there and playing well means bad things for Portland, who we also cheer for. And also the Los Angeles Clippers having so many Seattle ties yes. are like they're kind of Seattle. It's like you can the you just can't care that much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's probably the right way to approach it. Alright, with that, it's time for your favorite segment. Don't burn yourself. We got Mariners hot takes coming at ya.
1: You know, it was Easter this past weekend.
0: I did know that. I came over to your house even. And as I sat and
1: watched my 10 to 15 children opening their baskets left to them by the Easter Bunny, do you want to know what I was thinking about? What's that? That's right. You're Seattle Mariners. Oh. Because they had a very happy Easter weekend, taking two of three from the hated Astros. And would you like to know the last time the Mariners were in the playoff hunt by Easter Sunday? I I don't know. I looked this up. None other than 2001. And this year, they have everything. Don't look that up. And this year, they have everything in their basket. The chocolate eggs... That's the goose eggs that hitters are throwing up against Logan Gilbert. Can we get this man a nickname? Get that boy a cowboy hat because the pitcher out of Stetson has legendary stuff. The peeps, that's Jared Kelenic because peep this. <laughs> Kelenic is back, baby. Smashing a homer <laughs> against the Sox and a double on Easter Sunday as well as another hit. He's picking up right where he left off, and you won't need to have an egg hunt for hits when it comes to Adam Frazier. He hit the strows like an adult egg hunting against babies. Trust me, I've done it before. It's easy. With a <laughs> screaming seven hits in the series. The only Easter Bunny whose lap I want to sit on this year is Jerry Depoto for another amazing offseason. Because this year, I learned that magic is real, and in Seattle, we call it Soto Mojo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do we still call it Soto Mojo? I feel like that that phrase. I kind think of the Niners have the exact same phrase as the, Russell Wilson has. Why not us? No, no, no. For for his Broncos era. Wait, what's I don't? I have not really been paying very close attention to the Russell Wilson Broncos here. I gotta admit, for for, uh, uh, mental uh, safety purposes,
1: I I don't remember either of them, but I know they're the same. (laughs) Okay. So, see us ride
0: is actually the Mariners theme. I I think that's an old one, though.
1: I think there's a new one. No. They're still using CS Rise. That'd be pretty strange for, for Russell Wilson to be using that. I, I agree that would be. It's very <laughs>
0: Easter-themed, though. You didn't even bring that one out. CS
1: Rise <laughs> that's true.
0: And the Mariners have arisen in the standards at 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Now a plus-4 run differential on the season. Uh, largely thanks to that 11-1 win on Friday night against the Astros. 26% playoff odds via fan graphs.
1: That's one out of four. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> better. That's better than one out of four.
0: And I can't dispute that. That is better than one out of four. Uh, the bad news from the weekend that Mitch Haniger was placed on the injured list after testing I positive. CS
1: Rise is, is what the Mariners are using.
0: For COVID on Saturday, Mariners had their first day off of the season on Monday. They will host Texas and Kansas City the rest of the week to continue this extended homestand. I mean, definitely. Like, there was a lot of excitement at the ballpark, particularly Friday night for opening opening. You said night.
1: this as if you were there.
0: <laughs> no, but you could tell. You could I'm going to be a, in
1: a Dodgers game before I'm in a Mariners game.
0: I, I a lot watched of excitement for me. I watched a substantial amount of Mariners baseball this weekend. Uh, how about Ichiro throwing the first pitch at oh, 94 miles an hour? Was it 94? That's what they said. Who I caught it. They said that there would be a special person catching it. I'm not sure who caught it.
1: I didn't. I didn't see who it was either.
0: We'll have to see if I can look this up. But uh, if, if Ichiro actually can throw at 94, like, he should just be pitching now. He should, he should have... That should have been his second career, is Shohei Otani in it, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I think if Ichiro really wanted to focus on it, he could have been a major league caliber caliber pitcher.
0: I mean, I know that, like, people say that about Ichiro, like, oh, he could have been a, ho- a home run hitter, etc., etc. I, I do think... I would have been really fascinated to see his career if he had been a, a pitcher. He was also wearing his 2001 uniform, which I don't I don't know about I, that one. He was wearing the exact
1: uniform from 2001.
0: Uh, it was it was definitely a precise 2001 uniform, and I think it was in fact his 2001 <laughs> uniform. It was Julio. Really Julio caught it.
1: Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. All right. Uh, I really hate that each row hasn't aged since 2001 and i've aged so much since 2001 <laughs> that's true i had a question for you i was actually looking at this i was looking at the seattle mariners team history and encyclopedia from baseball reference okay by war this is true pelton cast fashion guessing game do you think you can name the fourth best pitcher in seattle mariners history by war i have to precisely name the
0: fourth best okay so well i feel like a handful of felix, them felix yeah randy johnson uh-huh. are the top 2 mm-hmm. I'll give you. I'll
1: give you the top three. Moyer is the third one.
0: Oh yeah, that makes sense. Number four, my my f- first instinct is Freddie Garcia. Close
1: but wrong. He's he's number five.
0: Okay. <clears throat> if it's not Freddie Garcia, I mean it. I, I'm assuming based on this that it's not Mark Langston.
1: It is Mark Langston. Okay. There you I, go. I feel like Mark Langston did not. Maybe this is because I'm too young, but like. I feel like he pitched so few years for the Mariners. Yeah, I
0: think that's because he was traded when you were, like, three. <laughs> Seeing him on there, I was like, really, Mark Langston? The, you know, sometimes we talk about,
1: uh, I actually yeah. quite good at that one.
0: I think this is more of an NBA thing, the trade chains. You familiar with trade chains? Uh-huh. So the Mariners traded Mark Langston and got Randy Johnson uh-huh. when they traded him to the Expos. Then they traded Randy Johnson to the Astros got and got Freddie Garcia. Garcia. Yeah. So that's three of their top five all-time pitchers by WAR came essentially from Mark Langston. It's actually kind of incredible. Uh, the the thing I want to do with this is I I have to double check this. It might be that Richard Lewis for sure is still like giving like the Thunder are still benefiting from Richard Lewis because when they signed and traded sometimes.
1: The trade chains make you sad.
0: Yeah, when the Sonics signed and traded Richard Lewis to Orlando. It was only 5 seasons. It's not no, that many seasons. He was very good. Uh they got back, they used they created a trade exception that they used to get Kurt Thomas. When they and in that trade they got the Serge Ibaka pick. Then they traded Serge Ibaka to Orlando again. And got DeMontis Simonis and Paul George, or DeMontis Simonis and Victor Oladipo, traded them and got Paul George, traded Paul George to the Clippers and got Shea Gulgers Alexander. So somehow Richard Lewis, who was drafted in 1998, still 24 years later, is responsible for the Oklahoma City Thunder's best player. So we'll talk about the Richard Lewis draft pick in more positive terms later this week. I just think of him as a California Angels pitcher. Well, famously, opposite the Mariners and Randy Johnson in the one-game playoff in 1995.
1: Had to invoke Rashard Lewis. You know who
0: had the game-winning play? I don't know if it actually was the game-winning play. The most famous play. Luis Soho. Luis there. Soho, episode 9, mm-hmm. 309. Uh, let's talk some cracking. Because, you know, so Julio Rodriguez is still getting acclimated to major league hitting. Major league pitching, I guess. You know who's actually like the, the star phenom who has come in and immediately been perhaps the team's best player? It's Matty Beniers, <laughs> who scored his first goal on Saturday in his second NHL game in his home debut as the Kraken won that one in a shootout over the Devils, then scored again Monday as the Kraken beat Ottawa 4-2. Suddenly the Kraken can't lose, which is actually probably a bad thing from a, a draft lottery perspective. But Matty Beniers has legitimately given life to this team which traded away half its starters at the trade deadline (laughs) maybe that's not actually that big of a deal when you're a really bad team and you trade away all your starters
1: no it's probably a good thing yeah
0: so I'm definitely like he's giving you know they didn't manage to manipulate his service time because they signed him at the end Mm. of the season but it's certainly giving me a reason to watch the Kraken at the end of the season watching him play
1: what would manipulating the service time of Matty Beniers look like
0: well, if they had, they could have either signed him and just not played him in the NHL or waited to sign him until after the season, but it would have been a full extra year on his rookie contract, his entry contract. Like, it's actually a pretty substantial value to manipulate in the service time. I got to tell you,
1: <clears throat> they got a lot to learn from the Mariners. <laughs>
0: oh, well, the Mariners didn't end up joining with Julio Rodriguez. Though, isn't yeah, there still time? There is still time, yes. They could send him down. They could send him down. He also could, uh, could win Rookie of the Year and, and would be give, granted a full service. To I do think they reaching
1: way. arbitration years and the extra year in the contract are kind of different things. Like you just control players for so long in baseball,
0: but it's still a year closer to free agency. I guess the
1: second that they reach free agency in baseball, if they're good. They're worth whatever an absurd exactly. amount of money. Yeah. and in hockey, it's not quite the same.
0: Uh, ben Lindbergh of The Ringer had a piece last week about how this is like an unprecedented number of top 100 prospects, and particularly high top 100 prospects are debuting at the start of the season this year. So, the service time changes modest wow. as they were do seem to have had an effect.
1: A slow clap for really winning the 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 lockout that happened to Major League Baseball owners. Well, no, I think that
0: the players were pushing
1: for that. For what? Being able to play earlier? Yeah, I but mean, you don't still want saying, to have your service time manipulated. No, I agree that you don't want to have your service time manipulated. Any situation where teams feel comfortable not Manipulating service time means that you've lost.
0: I don't know if I, I quite buy that one.
1: Let's talk about the Sounders. It is it is, in, it is good though that there are
0: like so many star players who are playing right away. Yeah, yeah. We haven't even mentioned Matt Brash. Oh, who was phenomenal on Sunday. He was dealing out there. Oh
1: my God. Whoo!
0: Somehow he didn't make the uh, the hot text. I thought
1: about, I thought about it. Okay. Can, can I talk about the children's baseball game that I was at on Sunday? I have never been as invested in a children's baseball game. My whole thing is that none of this matters,
0: right? This is a this is not quite Coach's Corner. This is, par- I guess you we were going to say Parents' Corner. That was already trademarked. trademarked. This is uh, uh, Amateur Sports Viewing Corner. <laughs> yeah, it's, it rain, rolls off the tongue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound creepy at all. <laughs>
0: Parents <laughs> of amateur sports amateur quarter. Amateur
1: sports viewing quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Let's <laughs> trademark it.
0: Still workshopping. <laughs> anyway,
1: uh Lugas baseball game on Sunday, Easter Sunday. Peep this. Um uh, the You can't use
0: that joke twice. It was where, in the it was in the hot takes. Where's the joke? Uh <laughs>
1: Playing against the hated Mercer Island Islanders, I think they're called. <clears throat> how many? How are you always playing against Mercer Island? There aren't that many children's baseball teams. Okay. Uh, there's two different Mercer Island teams.
0: The, the Mercer Island Mercer. listener is is pretty upset at you know how uh, how anti-Mercer Island you are. I'm not anti-Mercer Island
1: necessarily. I feel like I actually am very established as being anti-capitalist here and <laughs> so I, I think that the Mercer Island, is there a Mercer Island listener? Yeah, who? Ross, my friend Ross. Oh, shouts to Mercer Island it's lovely. Uh, it actually is very nice, you know, it's as beautiful as the places, money can buy and um, so anyway, we're playing against Mercer Island, the Islanders, right? They're 18, been crushed by them earlier in the year in like February not even competitive I show up uh uh Luca has his best game of his entire baseball career, I think against a competitive opponent, as far as I can tell. He was playing the hot corner. He earned the nickname White Pablo Sandoval. And I said his coach was like, Do you even know who that is? And I was like, You're to Luca, not to me. Yeah. Obviously I know who Pablo Sandoval is.
0: I, he, Luke but probably his, knows him better than I do. undoubtedly knows him better than you.
1: I played fantasy baseball for those two years, so that's like the sweet spot for when I know baseball players. You know, his
0: nickname is the Panda, right? Yes. Okay. Panda. Uh, there is so like, a white panda, isn't there? Is that a thing? Or is it only the red panda? The <laughs> white panda? I
1: don't know. It seems like the good I'm be not, a thing. not sure about that one. Uh, but his coach gave him the nickname White Pablo Sandoval during the game, mid game. Musical group. White Panda? Yeah. Are they an electronic dance group? I'm, group I'm pretty really sure they like uh, Do they wear masks on stage? It seems likely. Okay. We, we figured it out. <laughs> but anyways, Coach gives him this nickname. It's like, do you even know who that is? And it's like, you do not know who you're talking to. <laughs> you can name a baseball player from basically any generation. And Lucas... Cool. Quite familiar. Really, like have are. you
0: seen the 2003 baseball prospectus <laughs> that rides around in the van that is in the, the most backseat? Shit, ever. Is, it came from me? Exactly. I mean, that's it came but from.
1: the fact that for me, I probably would like skim through it and not look at it again. The 2003 baseball prospectus that is in the back of my minivan to hold the 10 to 15 children has not left the back of the minivan. It is read every single day, there every single go. time he's in it or whatever.
0: I mean, it's very long.
1: Uh, so it's like he's very aware. I was talking about Scott Casmer earlier today. He's aware of who Pablo Sandoval is. Earns is that nickname playing third base. He's holding it down at third base.
0: I'm. I just like you know, kind of Mrs. Fantasy Genius posted a photo where he like had had uh you know tissue stuffed up his nose because he was his nose was he fleeting. got
1: hit in the face of the baseball the previous day. Yeah, because we just play baseball every day. We're like professional baseball players. We play every day. And he got hit in the face with the baseball, bloody nose. I did have to call time from from it was like if your parents I imagine the Keith Hernandez talking about how harsh his dad is on him. <laughs> and I'm like on the sidelines just being like, Coach time, my child has a bloody nose or whatever. <laughs> anyway he's playing third base for most of the game and i literally just happen to be standing near where third base is so i'm hollering at him the entire time the exact situation that's going on or whatever i'm like there's two down plays at third or whatever and i'm like you need to be yelling the shit out right now really it's the shortstop's responsibility but you know uh somebody has to do it
0: so since you're not allowed to play
1: (laughs) there was a time where the one kid had to go home uh And it was like every single dad joke that they were happy to play. (laughs) It's like, it is, this is not just me who wants to play. It is every single dad wants to get, and the coaches too. Like
0: you can't watch people play non-professional people play baseball and not want to join. Oh,
1: especially children. Right. I talked about egg hunting against children. It's the most fun thing. If you could go out there and be the best player. Right? Imagine how, like, Mike Trout feels or whatever. He gets to be the best player against good players. He must feel fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. Right? That's how we would feel playing against children, literal children. And they might strike me out. I don't know. I would be nervous
0: going to the play. Yeah, that's the thing is I wouldn't be a 100% sure you're going to be the best player. The huh. pressure is After also seeing
1: on. you play baseball this week, I might be sure.
0: That you that, that I would be, you would be the best player. I mean, I swung and missed a lot too.
1: You fucking cracked the longest dinger I've ever seen at Ridgewood Elementary. I did. I, <laughs> I was shocked. Anyway, <clears throat> you you were because it went way over your head. Oh, God. <laughs> Top of the six, play to six innings. Uh, Luca hits the ball, a fielder's choice, but a run is scored. Really, I think the bases were. The bases weren't loaded. I think there were runners on second and third, and he hit it back to the pitcher, but the pitcher turned to first and threw it there instead of even looking at the plate, and they was just like... Not a fielder's choice for the record. No, no, it wasn't a fielder's choice because the bases weren't loaded, but look, for all the amenities of Mercer Island, defensive awareness didn't seem to be one of those because they didn't even think about throwing to the plate. The run scored easily, right? So team goes up one run. We're heading into the bottom of the sixth, and then two outs happened quickly to begin the bottom six, which is strange in children's nine-year-old baseball, Yeah, right? Like, it happened right away, and the tension is palpable from the players. They Like, Lucas' team has not beaten a competitive team basically all season. Like, the parents, they all were very drunk at the game, and, oh, these parents were partying. I mean, I is- heard
0: that you had to bring more seltzers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Easter Sunday, these parents were partying. The ball gets chopped down the line for the third third out, right between the first baseman's legs, straight up Bill Buckner style, and I'm like, that's the kid who's going to score? God damn it.
0: Yeah, you kind of do have that feeling. Like, that's it's Chekhov's error to uh, steal Amina Twit.
1: So that runner advances to third easily, right? Like, just if you are... If you have any level of speed. If you're not oh that's what I said about the coach was like Lucas the White Pablo Sandoval, and I was like, he runs like Pablo Sandoval as well. <laughs> it's true. Oh my god. He hit the ball almost to the fence and got a double that was close. Is <laughs> like he was talking about how Yasmani Grandal has a, a speed rating of two in MLB the show. And I was like You know. I was like, maybe let's not let's not cast stones here. Uh
0: let's consider our own house.
1: Anyway, it's weird because I'm so fast. You don't agree with that?
0: I mean, you're not running a 4, four, four 8 five.
1: <laughs> uh, So the tension is palpable in the stadium. Runners on third, two outs, bottom of the sixth last name. We get to a full count. This kid from Mercer Island is like fouling off these pitches. And I'm like it, freaking out, right? Every single person. I was like, he's going to walk, and that this is, that's going to be the kid who scores. Ball comes in. Batter doesn't, stri- doesn't swing. Called strike three on a close pitch. They treated it. They treated that hitter
0: like he was Julio Rodriguez.
1: These it was close. It was close. They erupted like it was the miracle on fucking ice in Mercer (laughs) Island. It was like
0: the joke is they erupted like they were the Timberwolves winning the play Oh my god!
1: That it was definitely like that. It was. It was the most joyous that I've ever seen a group of people to win this one random. I don't even know if it's a league game or whatever. Just ha- I think they were just playing like an exhibition game. Uh, you know, at that age. Does yeah. it matter? So I, I am number one on none of the shit matters. Like none of these kids are going to be playing professional baseball. They're just having fun. And I do have to say it was actually fun to watch children's baseball.
0: They had fun. Well, you know who else had fun? It's the Seattle Sounders who uh, were playing the second leg Wednesday at NYCFC, NYCFC, taking a 3-1 lead to Harrison, New Jersey, in Red Bulls Arena. And then were able to score on the counter with Raul Ruiz Diaz finishing off his first goal of the season in the 28th minute off a new cross, taking a massive three-goal lead. NYCFC pulled one back in the 51st minute and got a number of dangerous chances in the second half, but couldn't beat Stefan Fry, who had seven saves uh, a second time in this one. The Sounders see out the 3 1 victory, or the 1 1 draw, I should say. 4 2 on aggregate advance to the CONCACAF Champions League final. Uh, As we said earlier, a big fucking deal. They're the sixth MLS team to reach the CONCACAF Champions League final. Uh, LA Galaxy somehow did it in 1997, which was, I think, like the second year of MLS, which is kind of amazing. Didn't happen again until 2011 with Real Salt Lake and uh, under current Sounders GM Garth Lagerway, Montreal impacted in 2015, Toronto FC in 2018, and then LA FC two years ago in 2020 when that tournament was finished in a bubble setting. Sounders' opponent coming up in the Concacaf Champions League final, which won't start until the following week, will be Pumas, who uh, are three-time winners, all in the 1980s. Did reach the finals more recently in 2005. Uh, because of the Sounders are unbeaten in the Concacaf Champions League to date. <laughs> Have a couple have a number of draws on the road, but haven't lost. They will host the second leg of the final on May fourth after traveling to Mexico City on April twenty seventh. Lower bowl already sold out at Lumen Field for that match on May fourth. May fourth. You're you're the, determining whether you can go. I I mean, are we going to be there? I, I. It's a busy week, but that's. I mean, it's a, it is it's a big fucking deal. So I feel like we kind of got to go.
1: I can't believe that they do it home and home for the final. It is
0: interesting that they still do that. It was something we, that we had to look up because we weren't sure what the format was. So uh the Sounders did have to, after that high, come back and play an MLS regular season match as part <laughs> that of the pretty brutal. Link the MLS regular season I Saturday. didn't realize
1: that Yedlin scored the goal.
0: He didn't score. Oh Saturday against yeah, Inter Miami. And uh they, they started a second-choice lineup, reserve-heavy, just one holdover from their starting lineup Wednesday at NYCFC, that being Javier Arriaga and uh, Inter-Miami. Kind of controlled the first half. DeAndre Yedlin returning home to play in Seattle for the first time in... I don't know when the last time was. I don't know if there was a USMNT match since he last played for the Sounders, but uh, uh, Miami scored the match's only goal late in the first half. Sounders brought on the Broldans at halftime, other starters later in the second half, and they really controlled possession, but didn't get many great chances against a compact Miami defense, and uh, Miami was able to get the clean sheet and the one nothing win. Sounders dropped to 2-3-1 and in MLS play, 11th in the Western Conference, but obviously that has not been their focus thus far. So it'll be interesting to see in that context. They've got a week off. They'll return to action hosting San Jose next Saturday night, whether you know we see more starters or whether they're saving players for that uh, midweek CONCACAF Champions League match in Mexico City.
1: They clearly are prioritizing right now the Champions League.
0: As they should. It's an extremely long MLS regular season. You don't need to finish that high given the way the playoff format is now. Uh, So, you know, they'll... I, I still feel good about their chances of making the playoffs, but the goal right now, the eyes are all on that prize of the CONCACAF Champions League becoming the first MLS team ever to win it.
1: So, all right, May 4th. <clears throat>
0: uh, you were at Lumen Field last week to check out OL Reign, And I saw someone tweet like specifically about this scenario. If you got to your seat in the 12th minute of this match, <laughs>
1: somebody tweeted about that yeah i felt like the bad luck brian meme where it was like ol rain scores three goals in the first 12 minute gets to your seat in the 12th minute <laughs>
0: in the first 11 minutes
1: that was literally what happened for us and then you know we had uh 78 minutes of soccer to watch after that
0: <laughs> you saw one you saw one san diego wave fc goal uh you you were there with, with Talkin' Taco Time co-host Chris Smith.
1: I, I thought the whole environment, it's a very chill environment. I think when it's sunny out, this was like one of the coldest fucking Seattle days in April history. So It looked
0: a lot nicer. Chris was there posting about it on uh, sun, Sunday, I guess they played Angel City. Yeah, uh,
1: Which I, I think if you could show up, have it be nice out, just like have a very chill time watching soccer, it's a phenomenal experience to happen in the center of the city, you know? I I also, I think it would be a great thing to happen in Tacoma as well, right? But, like, knowing that it's there and so central and being played at this huge field, I think is awesome. thought the environment was really good. Like, the fans really, really care about the team and really rallied around them.
0: And now, how about the San Diego Wave fans? Oh,
1: fucking, oh, wow, we roughed up. No, no, there was not one. Not a single Wave fan in the building. Wow. I mean, like, Alex Morgan scored that goal, and it was just like, oh, damn. Like, we're seeing, like, such world-class soccer players here. Yeah. Right? Like, the idea that Alex Morgan—like, just the seats are incredibly close because every scene is close. The seats are in the second row, and you're just, like, right there, right? You're right behind the corner flag. Similar to, like, his Sounders tickets on the other side, but just— But even lower. So, like, in the mix, and having, like, Alex Morgan just be there is like, damn— this is kind of incredible how close she is. Uh, but I, I think I think the environment is really good. And as the season progresses and we get out of this like April weather, it's going to feel even better. And, uh, you know, I think there's a real fan base building right now.
0: And especially as OL ring continues to be successful. So those three goals in the first 11 minutes on Thursday, the fastest to three goals in any NWSL game, any competition.
1: I will say, I've, my, I felt like, San Diego dominated the ball. Like for, obviously they're down three, nothing. like they should. but it didn't really feel like OLRain had any chances after that. And some of those goals, like seeing the replays of them, like they were kind of lucky goals ultimately. I didn't approach this match after seeing it as if o is definitively the significantly better team.
0: I mean, they also were playing without some of their top players in this oh, one. most of them. So uh, they got the, those three goals from different players, including Bethany Bolser with her first goal of the season and the first OL Reign goals for both Sam Hyatt and Nikki Stanton. And UW product and Kent native Olivia Vonderyacht made her NWSL debut. She was a third-round pick this year and recorded an assist on Bolser's goal. Uh Rain played without Rose Lavelle, just resting in that one uh, due to U.S. women's national team duty the previous week. And Jess Fishlock only came on for the last 10 minutes last year's NWSL MVP. Then Sunday, they beat Angel City FC 2-1 behind the game-winning goal from Vanderjagt in stoppage time. Who I, I, it's a Kent native, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, So really emerging is a third-round pick in the NWSL draft as someone who's giving them Excellent minutes this year. Uh, Rain scored first on Sunday through Balser before Angel City equalized in the 83rd minute, setting up Vonderyak's heroics. Uh, both teams were missing U.S. Women's National Team stars for that one. Lavelle set out due to illness, while Angel City's Kristen Press was unavailable due to COVID-19 protocols. Uh, and, of course, Megan Rapinoe still has yet to play this season due to a calf injury. But still, sat, uh, Rain at 4-0-1 with Sunday's win assured them a spot in the Challenge Cup semifinals. Portland could still win the West Division if the Thorns win their final game and the Rain lose theirs, pending goal differential and goals scored tiebreakers after those two matches, but even in that scenario, the Rain would advance, advance as the top-ranked second-place team of anyone in NWSL. Uh, they'll try to complete their undefeated run in the Challenge Cup Division play at San Diego next Saturday. Uh, the way of currently playing at USD's Torero Stadium before construction is complete on their future home, Snapdragon Stadium, which will also be the home of San Diego State football, notably. Right. That'll be a uh, 35,000 seat stadium. I was reading up on that one on Wikipedia.
1: The Snapdragon Stadium?
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Rashad Penny will.
0: They they rebuilt it in the same site as the old, what was that, Aztec Stadium?
1: What, what was this? The old San Diego State Stadium?
0: Yeah where the Chargers also played mm. previously. But now it's smaller because they don't well, have an NFL
1: team. He'll be honored there after our first or third quarter at some point.
0: <laughs> For sure. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Seattle Storm begins training camp Sunday at Seattle Pacific University. Storm filled out their camp roster by signing three undrafted free agents headlined by point guard Reina Perez, who uh, teamed with second-round pick Elisa Kunane at North Carolina State. Perez was knocking down threes at today's practice when Were I there? went out there. Uh, yeah, Name-dropping again. Just access to the storm practice. I don't know if that's name dropping. Uh, (laughs) Bad news Sunday is the storm announced that starting center Mercedes Russell underwent surgery last Monday for a non-basketball injury is not participating in training camp. No timetable yet for her return to action. Uh, Storm have to kind of move quickly in practice this week because after a week of practice, they will open the preseason on Saturday, hosting the Los Angeles Sparks in their first game at Climate Pledge Arena, the opening game of the 2022 WNBA preseason. So very excited to see how everything looks with the Storm in the building and, and see this.
1: Wait, so what is the timing here? Saturday is the first preseason game. Correct. When does the regular season start?
0: May 6th. Okay. It's a very early pre season. I look at here. the clock
1: and I'm like, April eighteenth? How is it possible that it's that late?
0: And it is.
1: I have you felt how cold it is? Oh. I,
0: I have. Yes. Wow. I'm well aware. Uh, uh Brianna Stewart, I I I interviewed her today after practice, uh, wrote a news story about her recovery from about the weather. <laughs> well, it's getting, I'm getting to that. Uh, her recovery from Achilles surgery, which says like it's she described it as a minor surgery, and then she said that her Achilles was 50% torn, which doesn't seem very minor, but uh, she's doing well now. And she said, So I asked her because she had like Noel Quinn had the veteran players address the team in their post practice huddle, and Stewie talked about like, look practice comes quickly, then we're gonna have a game on Saturday. This is what the WNBA is like. So I was like, you know, what well, do you remember that feeling as you were a rookie? And she was like, Yeah. Uh and I remember that uh it was super hot in the gym at, at Royal Brome Pavilion at Seattle Pacific where they practice. And I was like, Well that's the upside of the the fifty degrees and rated is it was not hot in the gym today.
1: Uh, try, we have to, like, it was a good day style, like, try to figure out what the day was of this hot day that <laughs> Randy Short's talking about.
0: Well, training camp was probably later that year. It's it's, a, it's exceptionally early this year because of the fact that they have the FIBA World Cup at the end of this WNBA season. And
1: we know that the Lakers didn't beat the Super Bowl <laughs> that day.
0: Uh uh, UW softball, the Huskies swept Oregon State in a series where all three games were decided by a single run, reaching 500 in Pac-12 play and movie, up to a tie for third in the conference. Uh, Gabby Plain had a complete game Thursday as the Huskies won 4-3 behind home runs by Jadelyn Olchin and Kinsey Fiedler. Uh, Kelly Lynch won a pitcher's duel 2-1 on Friday, going the distance and striking out a career-high 15 Beavers. in that one, really wow. impressive performance. And then Plain started again Sunday. UW took a 2 nothing lead to the 7th before Oregon State scored twice off-plane to send the game to extra innings, where a Madison Husky sack fly scored Sammy Reynolds in the bottom 8th for a walk-off win after Reynolds singled, advanced on an error, and stole 3rd. Huskies headed to Eugene this weekend to face Oregon, which is 5-10 so far in conference play, but still was ranked number 17. What? They love those Pac-12 teams. Before taking two of three from Arizona last weekend. And then Utah a week from Tuesday, will also face Seattle U in that postponed game for, that was scheduled originally for last week. Uh, it was surprisingly not postponed due to weather, despite what it, how dreary it is in Seattle. Let's wrap up with the Seahawks. <laughs> Is that, is that
1: bad? I mean...
0: Who re-signed Gino Smith to a one-year deal worth a reported $3.5 million with incentives that could push the value to $7 million, according to Bob Condotta and my ESPN colleague Jeremy Fowler. Pete Carroll had emphasized the importance of bringing back Smith and giving him an opportunity to compete for the starting job with, at this point, Drew Locke and Jacob Eason. <laughs> because this is, this is where we are now that Russell Wilson... Oh, is God. playing in Denver and apparently saying, CS rise about the broadcast. <laughs> That's a bold new phrase.
1: Um, I actually, I didn't realize that this was incentives up to 7 million. I feel like I already told you this last week. Did you? Yeah, offline. I was like criticizing the deal and you were like, it's just three and a half million, but incentives, you know what? It's fine. It's a fine deal. It's
0: whatever. I mean, it's a lot for a backup quarterback. But if, it, if they do view you know Smith as someone who could potentially win the starting job... Do you think $3.5
1: makes- is a lot for a backup court? I mean, it's not a lot, but it's only... Some
0: on the- of those
1: extra $3.5 are absurdly unattainable unattain-
0: incentives. I assure you. We'll see. I don't know. I doubt they're absurdly unattainable, but I think they are probably contingent on him starting.
1: And probably playing well. They're the type of incentives that If Geno Smith is making $7 million, you're like, wow, I can't believe they're only paying Geno Smith $7 million. Yeah,
0: uh, oftentimes things do work out that way, where it's like, you know, if you achieve everything in here, that's the best thing that could possibly happen for the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, Geno played... He played reasonably well last year in his handful of starts in place of Russell Wilson. I don't think he played as well as Pete Carroll thinks he played. But, you know, that's probably true of my assessment of any person that Pete Carroll has on his roster.
1: But, like, ultimately,
0: this is the most important position.
1: And Geno Smith has guaranteed money that is a third
0: of Will Disley's guaranteed money. Or whatever. Yeah, probably less than that, I think.
1: So, It's this is not... This is just a bringing back Geno Smith on a low-risk contract. It's I mean, fine.
0: I mean, I think as Mike Sean said on Twitter, like this is not the kind of investment that would preclude them drafting a quarterback.
1: I mean... <laughs> or trading if, for a if quarterback. Geno Smith is precluding you from drafting or trading for a quarterback, you have a problem? I, I, I mean, I, I
0: agree with that assessment.
1: And if they were to release Geno... I, th- I think they're probably maybe even more likely to release Drew Locke if they were to release one of these quarterbacks. But... Probably so, I suppose. Geno Smith will be the Seahawks' backup quarterback next season, or will be the starter. Geno Smith will be on in the Seahawks' quarterback room next year. It would be really surprising if you weren't, yes. So, I mean, I think that both Drew Locke and Geno Smith will be, but if they trade for another quarterback, perhaps a...
0: Former starter for the Cleveland Browns? Yes. Well, Baker Mayfield... On the You Never Know podcast last week, asked about his expected next team, said Seattle would probably be the most likely option, but even then, and followed up that up with, I'm just ready for the next chapter. Now, this this podcast was presumably taped at the beginning of April based on Mayfield saying in that answer that he would have said the Colts, quote, a week and a half ago before their trade for Matt Ryan was reported on March 21st. So it's not an extremely recent interview, but it does sort of show you where Baker Mayfield's head is at, at the situation, if not necessarily anything about the Seahawks thinking about trading for Baker Mayfield.
1: I do think that timing with Baker Mayfield is pretty fascinating. Seeing that it's taken him this long to be traded, like, I assume that the Browns probably have, like, a certain value in mind for what they should be getting for Baker.
0: I mean, I think the certain value in mind at this point is how much they're having to pay Baker. I don't think—like, if someone wanted to just take Baker Mayfield's salary straight up, if you could do, like, an NBA-style trade them for a top-55 protected pick, I think the Browns would have done that by now.
1: Can you agree to do that, though, with the cap?
0: I'm sure there's a way you could do a conditional seventh round pick that would essentially be the same thing, yeah?
1: No, but I'm saying, like, they can't take on—the Browns will have to eat the guarantees.
0: If they—like, if they waive him, or— If they trade Baker,
1: like, all the guaranteed money still sticks with the Browns.
0: uh, I I don't believe there's any accelerated... uh, Let me double-check this, but I don't believe there's any accelerated cap hit because he's in his fifth-year rookie option. Okay. So I think the way it works with the the rookie contract is that only prorates over the, f- the option only prorates over the four years that are guaranteed as part of the rookie contract. So it's not like when the Seahawks decline uh, LJ Collier's rookie option uh-huh. that they'll still take the cap hit for him in year five.
1: Why don't they just release Baker Mayfield then?
0: Because the salary is guaranteed. The okay. base salary oh, is guaranteed. Because
1: they guaranteed his salary for this year by, by giving him that fifth year option. Correct. I see what you're saying.
0: And no teams are literally sitting there thinking, yeah, we're, we're interested in Baker Mayfield or not interested in Baker Mayfield at 18 plus million. It's a pretty tough situation that they're in.
1: I mean, I still think... If only they had any other options. I, I actually think initially when we talked about whether a pick would be attached to Baker Mayfield, basically just to get rid of him, I thought that was kind of absurd. Now that we're discussing this though and the time it's taking, I think it's Baker plus a third round pick.
0: I mean, I get, again. It takes depends. I think how much of his salary you're taking on. I don't know that the Seahawks are going to take on all 18 million. Although you could hypothetically convert that to a bonus and spread it over void years.
1: But it's a balance of. It's a balance of how much are you willing to take on? Like how much is the pick that the Browns yeah. hypothetically attach to him, versus how much you're willing to like take on vis-a-vis the Browns. Correct. At this point. So, like, if you were to take on everything, all 18 million. 18.86 million. Man, they really fucked the situation up.
0: Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I mean, like, they're surely under the cap now. So, I suppose they could just waive him. That's, that's a possible option for them. I don't know if that's a good option for them. I do think that's kind of where this ends, though. And I mean, if you're, if you know, but if you're another team. You know, it's sort of like the, what's the the concept of like the different levels of thinking? Like, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm thinking. You're thinking. I'm thinking like that, that concept. Like that, if you know there's a possibility Baker Mayfield might just be cut, then why? Well, (laughs) why not take the asset though? Yeah. Yes. If they are in fact offering draft pick.
1: It'll be interesting to see as we get
0: closer to the draft what happens with Baker. Uh, I mean, the, the Browns still have $20 million in cap space. With Baker? Yes, because Deshaun Watson's cap number is extremely low this season the way they have structured his contract. It's only $10 million. Huh. Uh,
1: you know, I think as we get closer to the draft... Also, weirdly, be, they're
0: not paying a second tight end <laughs> $8 million a year. They're only paying Austin for that much. Weird. Well. No, actually, that's not true with them. They are paid with David Joker. I was going to say yeah. joke. Oh, wow, I blew this joke entirely. It's the one team you can't say that about. Oh, no. What
1: team is Austin? He's on the Titans. Right? That sounds right. We already went through this. We did go through Titan. this, yes. Okay. I think there'll be more clarity on Baker in the next two weeks. And again, as a quarterback on the football team, I still think, let's say that you do get a little bit of something back. The Seahawks can afford Baker Mayfield. It's still one year, you know, like cap hits in this one year are not that big of a deal. Cap hits long term are a big deal. But like knowing that it's going to come off after that, especially if you can get something back for it. I think it's I, I think Baker Mayfield is more than worth a flyer for a year.
0: I mean, I think the, the challenge of acquiring Mayfield, as we've sort of talked about, is what if he plays OK? And then you're in a situation where you feel compelled to stick with him as opposed to looking for a higher upside, younger player. I just
1: don't think that's how teams really Like, I guess it really depends on what OK looks like. OK can mean a lot of things.
0: Uh, Jared Goff's career
1: in, in I, LA? I think that is letting let him go. Jared Goff went to a fucking Super Bowl like... Yeah, if the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield playing, well, okay, the then... Seahawks do not have
0: Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup.
1: Well, not that the Rams have Cooper a... Cup during that playoff I was run say specifically. That wasn't really, Cooper
0: Cup. But uh, suffice it to say, the Rams had a lot more talent at other positions besides quarterback <laughs> and a lot better scheme than the Seahawks project to Sean have McVay. in 2022.
1: I I don't think if they played okay with Baker Mayfield. I, l- I mean look, if they make the playoffs and Baker was the starter, they probably would figure out a way to extend
0: it. Wow, Baker had a thirty five QBR last year? How did that happen? <laughs> Was at 65 in 2020? He was really hurt. I think
1: Baker Mayfield is weirdly like, that's what I'm saying. The situation is, I think he is a very underrated quarterback in a lot of ways. You know, like I, I see these news stories where it's like Robbie Anderson doesn't want Baker Mayfield on the team. It's like, dog, Sam Darnold is your quarterback right now. Like, I don't know what you think is going on here, but Baker Mayfield is a tier above where Sam Darnold is.
0: I would agree with that.
1: And just because he had a bad season last year while playing through injury doesn't mean that Baker Mayfield is a bad quarterback. And still, like, the window of of possibilities for Baker, like, all pro-caliber quarterback is, maybe it's slim, but it's still within the window of possibilities for Baker. I would agree with that. Yeah. And Pro Bowl's very much within that. So, like, but for Sam Darnold, it is not. All those things are
0: Out of the picture for a quarterback like Sam Darnold. I would agree with that, yeah. So it's kind of like... And probably out of the picture for any quarterback on the Seahawks. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: that's not really even what we're talking about. Yeah, well,
0: it should be. With Geno
1: Smith and with Drew Locke, Mm -hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that is not... That's not really what their potential is at this point. So I, I just feel like if they were able to make that move, again, they probably won't. The Seahawks
0: haven't really shown. I mean, I don't know if I would say they probably won't, because there's just not that many teams that are potential candidates
1: for bigger Mayfield. They don't seem to value the like buying low on a player.
0: I don't know if I would agree with that necessarily.
1: When was the last time they they,
0: they think they're buying low on players,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they're giving them three million dollar raises <laughs> from not playing a game?
0: <laughs> yes, that's what's happening.
1: This is a legit buy low opportunity, though. Yes. And I, since, I mean, Clowney, you'd have to say that they probably like played that one right, but it's been pretty rare that they've done it. They've, they've well, got I think, like we, aging player, like we, Dunlap and uh, what they fucking tried to do with, God, the Lions pass rusher. Never really paying it. Ziggy on- Yeah, Ziggy Anza. They tried to do that in that scenario, but. The Seahawks always feel like they're trying to, like, replay a hit that they did before. And they're like, we'll go get Ziggy Ansar at Dunlap, and they'll be the next Cliff Averill or Michael Bennett or whatever. I don't know if that's specifically what they're thinking. I just can't see that they've done anything like this before.
0: I mean, they do. Partic- but, but you know what they do particularly like? Hmm. Getting high draft picks who have washed out with their first teams. They love that shit. Yeah. Was he in the same draft as all the, like, what was the draft where they ended up with all the top, I mean, he wasn't. It was like the Luke Jogal draft where they ended up with everyone in the top 10, like three years, three or four years after that draft happened. They do like doing that. So. I I do, I would assess it maybe a one in three chance at this point that Baker Mayfield is Seahawks. I mean, there's not that many teams he can go to.
1: That's a pretty high chance for any specific team, though.
0: Fair. Uh, that year, the draft was number two, Luke Jokel; number three, Dion Jordan; number five, Ansa. <laughs> Uh number eleven was DJ Fluker; number thirteen, Sheldon Richardson. There's still time for them to bring in EJ Manuel.
1: Wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> I don't know. We'll t- we'll talk this Friday, Pumpcast Live, April 22nd. Good times, bad bar in the heart of Lavaur, Queen, and with Mike Sean about the possibility of them selecting a quarterback. I'm feeling pretty skeptical. I I am
0: also feeling skeptical.
1: You know, I saw there's the, the conversation happening about how, like, DraftKings has their over-under versus ESPN. And Willis wasn't part of that conversation, or did they just not? I didn't see him in the list. Was
0: he just not that high on
1: the list? I mean, I don't see how that would possibly be the case, like, I, I was curious, like, where do you think DraftKings is getting their intel from?
0: I don't know that there's any one, like, specific location they're getting it. I think it's just a general... First off, you're if you're DraftKings you're, or any gambling site, you're not looking to... You're not looking to accurately predict things. You're looking to balance the money on both sides so that you manage yeah. your risk. And the way that you do that typically leads you to a place where you make correct predictions about things, but it's sort of reverse engineering it uh-huh. in that scenario, I think, rather than, like, specifically trying to make the most accurate prediction.
1: I was kind of trying to wonder, like, what what is the point of a mock draft? Is a mock draft to get every pick right based upon how teams will act? Is that the goal, is to think as a team will act? Because when you talk with Danny about this, I don't think that's exactly what he's doing. I think there is... A perspective of this is how I personally would act if I was this team
0: and how no I don't think that should be a part of it you think the goal is a hundred percent I am just trying to guess that's it I mean look you're not gonna get a hundred percent I think that, I mean the, the goal was to entertain obviously at the end of the day but it is to give people a sense of where players might reasonably be likely to be drafted based yes. on the conversations that you're having with people or what you're seeing from people who are having those conversations, what team needs are and generally where players are perceived to be. It's a little bit convoluted to figure out why we do this at all. Uh, did I get did I mention the entertainment part of it? <laughs> That's entertainment, baby. It's to entertain and titillate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You see that Malik Willis to the Seahawks, and you get hot, baby.
0: <laughs> no one said it that way. <laughs> Literally, no one said it that way. I, I,
1: we'll probably talk about this live podcast. I can feel the lineman of the Seahawks deep in my bones.
0: It does. Malik Willis is not on the list that was in the five thirty-eight piece. I thought that was strange. Pace. So it may be because of the fact that quarterbacks are considered more volatile. I'm, I'm not really sure. I'd I'd have to... If
1: there were players, because it seemed like ESPN was more likely to consider players as being drafted higher
0: than DraftKings was. And obviously... Well, by definition, you can't be more likely to consider that, so I don't agree with that assessment.
1: But I was like, well, somebody has to go in these picks.
0: Yeah, Malik Willis does not appear to have DraftKings over under, which I assume is the reason that therefore he does not appear on the list.
1: So they're just like, DraftKings is straight up just like, we don't fucking know.
0: That's, I mean, he does have a, a percentage chance of going in the top 500, which gives you three to one odds. Like going so. in the top 500? Huh? In the top five. Top five. <laughs>
1: okay. I think he's confidently going to go in the top 5 I also think that.
0: <laughs> I'm going to bet that right now. He's minus 350 to go in the top 10 picks. So it seems like they think it's very likely that he goes six to 10, which would include the Seahawks, but also notably the Carolina Panthers. Do
1: they have other quarterbacks in there?
0: uh Desmond Ritter is plus 2,500 for the first 10, 10 picks. Sam Howell is plus 3,500. And Matt Corral is plus 2,000. No Pickett. I uh, mean, he's probably in here somewhere, but I'm not. Uh, Pickett is plus 125. So slightly for, less than even odds. For which? Top,
1: top 10. Okay. So they're basically thinking it'll go Willis, Pickett,
0: Howell. No, Willis, Pickett, Corral. Corral. Ritter? Ritter, Howell. Howell. Yes.
1: It, it is pretty interesting, though. I, I do feel like this draft that the CX have willingly uh, opted into is one of the least predictable drafts that we've had, maybe partially because of the quarterback uncertainty. I would agree with that. So, you know, when I think about, like, who the CX are going to draft, it's based so much upon all of these other outside factors, right? What all the previous eight teams are going to do. But... I think it's really tough to get a sense of where they're going to lean. I just feel like there's a lot of tackles in this draft, and one of them is going to be there. I said it on Twitter. Trevor Penning. Is Trevor Penning a ninth pick in the draft player?
0: I don't think so. Have the Seattle Seahawks done anything in... Lo, these many years of drafting in the John, John Schneider, Pete Carroll era. You
1: think they're taking him at nine?
0: I don't know that I actually think they're taking him at nine, but would I be surprised if they took him at nine? I think it's Charles no. Cross.
1: I think Charles Cross. Is the, you don't like oh, I'm sorry. The guy who
0: only pass blocks? Yeah, that sounds oh. like a very Pete Carroll player.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, the guy who played in the Mike Leach system. As opposed to the guy who's a mauler... Right, <laughs> Ray, Rob- Ray-, Ray Roberts? I mean, I, you know, you. Have, I don't think you've listened to that episode of the man to man podcast where Ray Roberts goes to the offensive line prospects. Really, really great at listen. Uh, talks about how, like, everyone wants to fight Trevor Penning all the time because of his playing style. Like, this is the if you could construct a Seahawks draft pick in a lab and he played at the senior bowl, as we talked about with Danny, it would look like
1: Trevor Penning
0: and they would take him with the night
1: fake. So you think they're going to try to trade down, be unsuccessful trading down, and then just be like, fuck it, we're taking Penning here. No, they're going to be
0: like, we heard someone else was going to take him, so we had to take him there. I mean, who knows? Maybe Trevor Penning will be very successful. Ray Roberts did not seem to think that he was a long-term project like Danny did. He seemed to think that Penning could start right away at right tackle. So... That would that would be a more reasonable situation. Certainly. I
1: love the shit. Like I don't. Neither of them know. All love to Danny Kelly and Ray Roberts, but like, who
0: the fuck knows? Well, I know who doesn't know. The Seattle Seahawks. <laughs>
1: oh, I thought you were going to say me, and I was going to uh, agree with that. Wow. Well, I mean, yes. That, I am taking gonna,
0: it for granted that we don't know. I was I've never wholeheartedly agree. I've with never that. watched Trevor Petty play in my life. I just know what <laughs> I the don't Seahawks even know like. What and, fucking uh, team? Western I'm, Michigan. Oh, Northern Iowa, my friend. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was uh, he he was on the uh, corn corn fed motherfucker the the team that advanced. Who? What was the guy who hit the? uh, Ali Farouk Manesh. Okay. From Northern Iowa. You remember that when they beat Kansas in the round of 32? Farouk Manesh. In basketball. Basketball. Yes, that's the joke. that Northern Iowa was known for very good basketball teams. They're not known for their football teams.
1: Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback, though, right?
0: Nope, nope. Tony Romo. no. nope. nope. Those are all Eastern Illinois. Uh, oh, God. You're so, right, though. That's what's happening. So when the CX did get right, was DK Metcalf. Let's talk. Uh, oh, we're not long. done? I thought we were just rambling at this point. Uh, Adam Schefter reported Monday that three wide receivers from the 2019 draft were seeking contract extensions, those being A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Debo Samuel will not participate in on-field work during OTAs. Like DK Metcalf, Samuel, and Brown were second-round picks in 2019, while McLaurin was drafted in the third round of that same year. Meaning, all four are entering the final year of their rookie contracts. What
1: an incredible day two and D three draft! Really, really really was.
0: was. Uh, Bob Condotta reported that Metcalf is expected to participate in the Seahawks OTAs, which start on Tuesday. So, uh, by the time you listen to this, you will probably know whether DK Metcalf has participated or not. But uh, I don't know if he should. I mean, I don't know that there's that much risk to participating in OTAs. And the Seahawks, just like, their timetable for extensions is going to be, unless you're Russell Wilson, it's going to be their timetable for extensions. Also, they're probably not going to sign him to an extension now, because then how could they trade him at the draft?
1: Oh, he's going to be traded. I I don't know if I think he's going to be traded. They probably won't, because I think the Seahawks want to pretend that they're a real football team. Like, I think they deeply want to— They're cosplaying as a football team. I, I mean, is that not what's happening, right? I think that the front office and Pete Carroll are cosplaying as a football team. They need the last bit of sanity that they have left is DK Metcalf, right? Like they can be like, "Oh, we're we're a normal football team. We don't want to just run the ball all the time. Look, we're gonna get the ball downfield. We just play action. It's all about play action." The DK Metcalf is on the team, and then they'll trade him next year. <laughs> That's about right. So, I
0: I just. Uh...
1: It's just, it, it's not good. You're right, though, Trevor Penning.
0: It's not good, but come listen to us talk about the Seahawks. <laughs> Felt live. this guest live this Friday. And we're, you know what? It doesn't matter. We're going to have a good time oh, talking we're with have Mike a Sean. Time
1: talking to Mike Sean. Because we're going to talk about stuff that's not the Seahawks with Mike Sean.
0: <laughs> I'm sure we will, yes.
1: Or we'll talk about the fun aspects. I mean, that was my favorite part of Peltoncast live, virtual Peltoncast live was talking to him about like Tyler Lockett and who the best rapper on the team was. Like I thought it was very fun.
0: Who who is the player who was unexpectedly like knowledgeable about rap? I forget who it was now. I put that clip in the best of two oh one through three hundred. I'll have to go listen was to it. Was it Will Disley? No, it was not Will Disley. Was it Colby Parkinson? Something no, I don't like think that. it was a tight end. Oh, okay.
1: So well, I'm just gonna keep naming tight ends. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. You can keep doing that. Uh he definitely wasn't Noah fan. <laughs> Noah fan. Was not in the locker room when
1: Seriously when... I do think that DK Metcalf is the last thread that they have of of being a normal NFL franchise. <sighs> Quandary Diggs too. You want to think Diggs? I mean, he's a defensive player, like of them pretending that they're like a normal offense. Well offense, yes. Yes. I agree with that. I think it is just it's DK Metcalf. And that's it. On that note, (laughs) Pelton Cast Live, Friday, April 22nd. Good times, bad bar in the heart of Lower Queen Anne. Come hungry. Come ready to party. We're going to have an amazing time at Pelton Cast Live. I guarantee that you will have the best night that you have ever had in your entire life. We do not guarantee that.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thanks.